Hey guys, welcome to the BWAMS podcast. This is episode 20. My name is Richie Madrufo, and we are coming to you from Power at the Pass here in El Paso, Texas. Of course, BWAM stands for the Barbed Wire Open Mic Series, and we're celebrating 10 years of giving stage to artistic, musical, cultural entrepreneurs here in the city of El Paso and surrounding regions. Today's guest is super awesome, super fun, and it's great to have her here. Honor, she's visiting El Paso. We have Elsa Morick in the house. How you doing? I'm doing well, thank you. I'm excited to be <laughs> so here. So we have her here. Elsa is a Lebanese-American writer based in Austin, Texas. When she's not writing, you can find her raving to deep house music or escaping to the wilderness. She's been published in several websites, including Thought Catalog and Elephant Journal. And of course, one of the reasons why we're here today is to talk about her 2017 book, Eliminate, Meditate, Create. Declutter your life and reprogram yourself for greatness. So that's a mouthful. Elsa, how are you doing today? I'm doing well. Thank you so much for having me. Yeah, and you're in, you're recently in town. It's Thanksgiving week, right? And festivities, you're visiting family and, and all that. And of course, uh, we've had the great opportunity to get you into the studio to talk about your book. Thanks. I, yeah, this is a very cool opportunity. Um, I was here for the week to visit my family. We had a week off, so... I thought I would come in. Excellent. And and so your book, you know, I know you've had, it was published this year. Yes. So it must mm-hmm. have been some year, huh? Yeah, it was. It's been very, very busy, actually. <laughs> and that's <laughs> a, a good kind thing. of busy, And though. that's a good thing, yeah. yes. And I, I, I would like to just make that distinction, differentiate between what I, because I always use that too when I talk to people. I'm busy. And then when, when people say that, oftentimes they say it in such a negative life sucking away thing. And I definitely know that's not the way you think of it, because here in your, your forward, you talk about, you know, deciding to make that change in your life where essentially I like the way you phrase it. You can dance to your alarm clock. Yes. Right. I like intentional busyness. Okay. Busyness that uh, fulfills you, doing activities that fulfill you. And uh, obviously when you're busy, you're not always doing activities that fulfill you, but you're at least always doing activities that grow you as a person. Mm. Okay, absolutely. And and so this book kind of started as as your own life project of wanting to change your where, where you were at currently in your life, not really feeling satisfied working that that kind of nine to five office job with the crazy lighting and the it just it wasn't really much doing for your soul phosphoric lighting yeah definitely um yeah i was working at a financial company here in el paso Mm -hmm. and i wasn't having it it just it was sucking the life out of me Mm -hmm. and i traveled to europe for a while i lived in ireland and in amsterdam Mm -hmm. and when i came back i decided to move to austin and uh, the first few jobs I had were kind of odd jobs here and there, like at hotels. And I also worked at a medical company as kind of like a medical concierge. Hmm. And it was, again, like a, just a typical corporate job. And I really didn't feel myself. I didn't feel like I was uh, being all that I could be. So yeah. I started writing this book as kind of a way to journal my own journey of delving into what I want to do, which is ultimately expressing myself artistically, whether it be yeah. through writing or um, anything else so that's kind of how eliminate meditate create was born great and um and i think what you want what you were going through at that point is something a lot of people really really go through and feel that they have to sacrifice certain aspects of their freedom or or, or expression in order to maybe make it whatever that means right quote unquote make it <laughs> and so if we were to break down your your book into those three categories eliminate 
I imagine this has to do a little bit with, with uh, you know, use the phrase decluttering. Can you speak a little bit about, about that? Yeah, of course. So, menticle, sorry, menticle. <laughs> <laughs> I think I just created a word. Good. Um, Shakespeare. Right? Uh, <laughs> mental and physical decluttering, even spiritual decluttering. Okay. So, mental decluttering for me was all about eliminating distractions, uh, specifically distractions like social media. Um, mm -hmm. And also eliminating toxic people from my life. Good. Uh, Very important step people need to take, yes, right? Yes, yes. Mm -hmm. And uh, creating, well, sorry, meditating. So we'll go in order. Eliminating was, you know, distractions. Mm -hmm. Uh, toxic people, bad habits also, okay. which are very hard to eliminate, actually. Especially when, <laughs> when bad habits feel so good sometimes. Yes. <laughs> Even when they feel bad, they're okay. just, I mean, habits are habits. It takes a while to yeah. uh, train yourself not to have a certain habit. But for me, eliminating was, I was just moving everything out of the way, decluttering mm -hmm. everything out of the way okay. so that I could focus. Uh, and that's what I mean by like mental decluttering. Uh, physical decluttering was actual things in my house that I didn't need. Okay. I gave so. away a lot of clothes, um, a lot of furniture. Uh, I, don't, I don't know if I can call myself a minimalist yet, yeah. but I'm getting there. <laughs> I have very few functional furniture in my house. Did you see me writing that down or did you just, that's no. just the natural went? Okay, no, I, like, I did not see you. I was going to like, okay, uh, that opens the door to talk about minimalism. But. Yeah, yeah, I, I mm. very much agree with minimalism. Mm -hmm. um, I think that when you simplify your amount, the amount of belongings you have, mm -hmm. uh, you have, you can have a more, you have more space to focus on what matters. Yeah. And ironically, uh, like when it comes to clothes, for instance, mm -hmm. the more fill your, the more full your closet is, uh, the harder it is to make choices. Right. And you you find that like people that have a lot of clothes end up clinging to like three outfits and they just wear them interchangeably. And it's because you have so many, it's like the paradox of choice. And, is, yeah, and isn't that why like Steve Jobs and all these like moguls like always wear the same clothes exactly. because they don't have to worry about that and they just get straight into their business. Yep. Yeah. I feel that's a lot of like playing in the right tune of what your book is, is getting at, right? Yes. In terms of, of eliminating, mm -hmm. I like that, eliminating the problem of choice. Exactly. So that's that's eliminating for me. Okay. Um, and then meditating. I think meditating, like people think of, kind of the girl on the cover who's just like sitting cross-legged. Yeah. <laughs> which lotus, I, yeah, right? which is beautiful. Like it, it. I have a lot of friends who meditate like that every day, uh -huh. and it's very helpful. It's a very good way to declutter your mind as well. Um, yeah. But for me, meditating just comes in the form of focusing on a certain task for a long period of time mm -hmm. uh, without without breaking. So for me, meditating comes in the form of writing, uh, cleaning my house, okay. dancing, just anything where I'm like in the flow and I'm just completely present and just completely grounded. That's what meditating is for me. Uh, and then creating is about creating. So once you've eliminated and you've meditated, now you can actually create whatever it is that you want to create in the world. I like that. So, um, you're using your own journey, right? That's highlighted through here. I'm looking to the table of contents, right? And, yes. uh, you know, I like uh, how you set up your story, yes. right? And uh, like, as I mentioned, that's something a lot of people can relate to, feeling that, that kind of being trapped. Now, um, the art of saying no, that's such a, a, an important one, because especially <laughs> that, that's something I've been living in. I love the epigraphs at e, in the beginning of each Thanks. each section too, right? You've gone and, and done your research, right? But the art of saying no, tell me a little bit about, about that, because I think a lot of people struggle with trying to find that. So the art of saying no can come in many forms, but basically 
I feel like you have to be really selfish with your time because mm -hmm. it's the only commodity that you can't get back. You, like if you, if you lose some money, you can get it back. But if you lose some time, you can't mm -hmm. get it back. And I don't think people realize how valuable time is. Mm -hmm. And so in order to really maximize your productivity um, in life, you really do have to be selfish with your time and you really have to know when to say no. And mm -hmm. whether that's hanging out with friends uh, or whether it's indulging in a hab like an activity that you shouldn't be indulging in, right. you just have to have that willpower to say no. And that's what that entire chapter is about. It walks through every single example that I could think of mm -hmm. that was really important for me to say no when I was writing this book. And again, that's like it's people, it's habits, it's ways of thinking, just things that we really need to have the willpower to say no to. Yes. And that's uh, honestly that that speaks volumes to me because I'm one of those people who I like to be involved in everything, you know, and, and run events and, and poetry, open mic nights, uh, poetry slams, uh, artistic things. But sometimes I do need to say no. You know, I think about it and, and, and sometimes I, it's just forcefully through like just pure exhaustion or like so I can't wait to like dive into that and, and look at what you have to say there. Now, um, to kind of put a bookmark there and kind of step outside, one of the things you mentioned is when you finally decided to kind of move to Austin, you took on all sorts of jobs. One of the things that you, you kind of also talked about was writing or, or in your story at the beginning here. I don't know if you mentioned it right now, but you also like did uh, some academic writing. Oh, yeah. So um, I have a business called Essays for Dummies. Oh, great, great, <laughs> great title. <laughs> and I help college students write. So I help them okay. write uh, their thesis, their, dissert their dissertations, uh, their essays. Um, a lot of people find academic writing very intimidating. Yeah. And I've been doing this for three years now, so it's I've become very accustomed to all the different stresses that people have when it comes to writing. Um, but yeah, I help people. I have a lot of my clients are all over the world. And so we connect via FaceTime or WhatsApp or whatever, however they find me. And I help them write. And this for me was has been very, not just lucrative because it is very lucrative, yeah. but it's also been very like enlightening. It's helped, <laughs> it's helped me become a more organized writer and a more structured writer. Um, it's helped me kind of like, it's, I don't know, it's just helped me really organize my thoughts because I've had to do it for so many different people. Because when you're helping someone write a paper, you're not, you're not, you can't just write about what you want to write about. Exactly. The teacher has their own guidelines that you have to follow. Mm -hmm. So it really teaches, like taught me as a writer to structure my writing. Um, and it made a lot of college kids happy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know, uh, and I, th I think that's, that's a, a beautiful sentiment. I teach writing. Cool. Right, I, I, you know, at EPCC, I, I teach a lot of writing, and, and that's one of the reasons I do that a lot, too, and I talk about, like, how important it is. That's why we do peer review. You know, like, when you have to help someone else, you, it really makes you reframe the, the whole idea of what writing actually is, and it, it does help them figure out structure and organization a little bit. And then, and by helping someone else, then they when they go back to their own writing, you know, it, they it's They have a like, different perspective. Exactly. And and isn't that what a lot of life is about in anything we do? Like finding perspective, creating exactly. perspective. Exactly, yeah. I mean, a lot of the students that hire me, they hire me because they're not excited about whatever work they have to do. Like, they just don't want to deal with it. Yeah. And the thing is, like, I always try to reconnect them to their purpose. So if it's like, if I have an engineering student mm -hmm. who has an English paper on some random topic, I kind of find a connection uh, between engineering and whatever topic that, that is that they, sorry, that is that they have to write about. Mm -hmm. And I just kind of get them excited about it because 
I think every paper I've helped write has taught me about so many things. I mean, I've written about Chicano theater. I've written about mm -hmm. um, the Kafa system in Dubai. Like I've written about so many, <laughs> so many random things and it's challenged me as a person to learn more about the world. So I always remind my students that like, it's, it's just about having a different perspective. Yeah. Instead of thinking of it as like a chore, as a paper that you just have to write for a class to pass, think of it as like something that you're learning about. Yes, uh, and, and that's one of the spectacular things about writing is how if you really do apply it with that rigor, that it really does open up a, a whole new world to, to knowledge of, of wisdom and learn. And, and if you're open to it, I think, uh, who is it? Um, there's an essay called Be Specific by Natalie Goldberg that I share with my students. And, and I think at the end of that, that little excerpt that we read, she says a writer is, is at once, you know, a French cook. Uh, and you have to like, you have to take on all these roles and, and anyone who takes writing seriously dives into a whole new world that maybe you're not too much into, but you just, the writing takes you there. I love that, yeah. I, I think the best books that I've read have been books where you have to do nothing as the reader. Like they do all the imagination for you. Mm -hmm. You can form a mental picture, yeah. but you're doing it with the assistance of all the details that, that a good writer will give you. Mm. I like that. And and so now get, getting back to the book, you kind of mentioned how this was in a way of journaling your journey. And, and so in many ways is maybe reflective. The process is reflective of that journey you took. But I'm curious, at, at any point, did it kind of also guide you? Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it continues to guide me. Okay. I mean, um, one of my favorite quotes, and I don't know who said this quote, but um, one of my favorite quotes is the best wisdom is taking your own advice. And yeah. that's how I felt when I was writing this book. Like every time <laughs> I wrote an excerpt or, or a page or whatever, mm -hmm. I was like, I have to follow this. Like now that I've written this, it means that I also have to follow this. Oh, so it was a way for me to hold myself accountable. And it was very, and continues to be very powerful. I'm writing that down. Yeah. That's great. In fact, um, that made me, made me think, uh, this came up uh, recently in my life. You know, walking the walk, talking the talk. To, you know, put it in, in terms people will all know um but i was curious what you think about this how, how would you distinct between knowledge versus wisdom um i think knowledge is knowing something from you can have knowledge from reading a book or mm -hmm. taking a class okay i think wisdom is uh knowledge that you take from experience yeah. so i think knowledge can come from books it can come from people telling you certain things it can come from a class whatever but i think that wisdom is something that comes with experience okay. it's knowledge that comes with experience and and it's it's something that isn't taken uh that doesn't come automatically no because yeah you can know something but it yeah. it doesn't mean that you're it doesn't mean that you're practicing it you're just knowing and doing is mm -hmm. very different it's like application mm -hmm. is, is kind of the key there Awesome. And, um, you know, one of the things, one of the questions that I, I always ask on this show, especially towards the end is always, and this always puts people on the spot. I feel like this will not be the case with you. If, or if anything, it might be too much. <laughs> I always ask people like, what's the best advice you've ever received? But I mean, all of this is, is just filled with advice. And, and that's why I was thinking about wisdom because it's, you know, that's that observation of life and, and how to apply it. Right. And so I always ask that, but I'm curious, you know, maybe before you're writing this or after writing this, what is the best advice you've ever received? 
a good question. Because I know you probably have quotes upon quotes upon quotes. Yeah, but I'm swimming in your head. Like actual advice, like something someone has just told me. Okay. Hmm. I think it was recently, actually. It was recently when I had this little situation that was happening on social media. Uh huh. Okay. (laughs) Funny as it sounds, but um, it was this little, it was this whole ordeal about. Uh, this picture that I posted and anyway it it really brought brought me down it really made me question who I was as a person at some point Um, what just kind of my views on life it really made me question a lot of things and um, my my boyfriend told me he he told me to remember remember who you are Mm -hmm. I know it sounds very cliche and very simple but I've seen that um, movie before no, is it a movie? <laughs> no, no, no. I don't know. It's just like the trope. Oh my I dig it. No, no, I dig it. That's all right. I didn't mean to. No, you know, it's totally fine. Remember who um, you are. Yeah, it just remember who you are. And I, I he might have said it out of context. Um, he might have meant something different than what I actually ended up taking away from it, which is you know often the case. Mm-hmm. But for me, it was just it was a good reminder for me to define myself by who I see myself at on a day-to-day basis okay. and not by how these random internet people uh, were making me out to be. Right, which is a hard thing, especially as you um, get more in the limelight. Any any type of celebrity, right, or just kind of public figure type um, status always lends itself to that type of situation where people are never really going to know you and your intentions and and what's going on yeah i agree and i mean i don't i don't consider myself by any means a public figure or a celebrity but i do put myself out there with my work i do share some very raw thoughts sometimes yeah um and so it's definitely it's definitely uh interesting and enlightening to to have a debate on the internet because i feel like it's the worst (laughs) place you can have a debate oh yes yes definitely uh, it's the worst place for a lot of things. Yes. Yeah. Uh, we were talking about social media earlier, mm-hmm. and um, you know, it's a good way to kind of bring it back to the idea of eliminating and decluttering. Mm-hmm. You know, earlier, um, outside of this recording, we were talking about use of social media, right? And and how much of a role that plays in in one kind of helping if you're trying to be an entrepreneur and 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 get something out there whether it be art or or a book or uh, an event a project and and then just like also letting that control you know so where do you see like the line the fine line of kind of lessening your the grip social that social media has on you i like the way that you frame that question because i actually think about this a lot and i've been thinking about it a lot lately too um I love psychology. I minored in it in university, and uh, it fascinates me. And one of the things about social media is I really think that it's changed the way that we behave and the way that we view ourselves. Um, unfortunately, like with social media, a, a lot of it, like a lot of it, stems from validation, from self-validation, and I think it's a very dangerous outlet um, to validate yourself on. Okay. <laughs> Yes. Because it depends so much on other people and it depends on so many factors that don't even have to do with other people. Like a lot of hmm. a lot of young girls, and I know this because of my sister's generation, a lot of the young girls put themselves out there on social media and uh, they assess their self-worth by the amount of likes or by oh, the amount of followers that they have. Rough. And unfortunately, like a lot of a lot of it has to do with like what time you post a picture. Um, it has to do with 
what people are looking for and certain mm -hmm. things on social media. So like a lot of it doesn't even really have to do with you as a person, but that's how we quantify it, unfortunately. And it's yeah. really easy to do so because it's so quantifiable. It was it was engineered that way. Absolutely. Um, so I think with social media, like the, the line that I had to draw for myself at least and that I think might be helpful for other people is um, I kind of like, I had to ask myself why I even had social media. Okay. Um, I don't think that it need, you need it to connect to people that you care about. I have everyone that I care about. I have their number. Right. It shouldn't have if, to if be, If I need right? to reach out to someone, I will call them. I will text them. I don't need social media. And to be honest, I don't, I don't feel like you absolutely have to know what your 2000 friends are doing all the time <laughs> or where they're traveling. Like you can, ca if, if it, they matter to you, you'll catch up on it. You don't need social media for it. Right. right. Um, I also don't enjoy seeing other countries through other people's eyes. Ah, I, I just don't ah, I don't really feel big. like I'm there like if I see it on your story like it's cool but I don't I don't feel like I'm tasting the food that you're showing or uh, I don't feel like I'm enjoying the beach view that you have for me so it, for me <laughs> I, I don't I can't live vicariously through people right, right but um just to draw it back to the question the line that I think is healthy is determining why you have social media so for okay. me it's like I I love to write and I want obviously I want to reach a, a larger audience so for me, social media is just a way for me to share my writing. I share a lot of poetry on it and I share a lot of just random thoughts and I share my blog on it. Um, I share yeah. my book, obviously. Yeah. And so for me, it's just a way to reach an audience. But that's not to be confused with my actual uh, work, which is writing. Mm -hmm. So the 80-20 rule, which I also talk about in my book, um, is very Sorry. important. 80% um, of my time is dedicated to writing, writing when it comes to my craft. Um, and then the other 20% is can be dedicated to marketing efforts like social media, but it definitely shouldn't be the other way around. <laughs> right. Which I think a lot of people get caught up in, in yes. maybe the trap you mentioned. It's all algorithms. It's all, it's set yeah, up a certain way. Exactly. So I think you definitely shouldn't determine your worth based on social media. It's a very, um, it's not a personal, it's not a personal way to express yourself. Uh, I don't. I don't care what people say. I don't. I don't think <laughs> that it is truly reflective of a, per, of a person. Uh -huh. um, and I definitely think that it shouldn't influence the way that you see yourself. I think the way you see yourself should come from within and never from without. And I think social media is definitely on the outside. So you, yeah. you should definitely draw that line because it can get very toxic and very addicting. You know, I, I think. Uh, did you ever see Black Mirror? Yes. Did you see the? <laughs> was it first episode of season three? Uh, oh, with the, oh, with the yes, rating system. Yes, that, that yes, I always, yes. always think of that, and I thought it's so creepy. That episode mm -hmm. brought up the, that dark side of how how it really does kind of put us in a stranglehold of, of wanting to. This girl wanted to fit in so mm -hmm. so bad, and then just it kept getting worse and worse, and it, to the end, it was her her her, her downfall. That, that episode, episode made me cry. It was it like was, it, I have it. It really made me cry. It touched on a lot yeah. of. It touched on a lot of personal strings for me because um growing up i was very insecure and mm -hmm. i always looked for validation through my looks i feel mm -hmm. like the reason why i got into modeling was because i i wanted an ex i wanted external validation for mm -hmm. who i was and so i feel like when social media when i first got on social media it was like a way for me to shift that okay. <laughs> and yeah. I was doing the same thing, but on the internet. Like I thought that I had solved my problem, but really I just moved it to another place. Ah, okay. So 
so yeah it can be it can be very dangerous and i think that episode really highlights that people live and die by it and uh, mm -hmm. it, it, as you said it's unhealthy it's a little toxic it's can be very toxic, toxic. <laughs> um so to kind of do a quick 180 or change you know stop changing on a dime one of the things you mentioned here in the back is that this is not a self-help book mm -hmm. you know why do you think it's important for you to distinguish that for maybe like someone who maybe doesn't know you or just kind of sees this on a shelf right and and it you know has that why tell me about why you distinguish it like that i don't like the word self-help okay um if if i were to put the word self before any word to describe my book it would be empowerment self-empowerment um that. and that's how i feel about my book um i don't i don't like the word self-help because i feel like it entails uh that we need help in the first place and and i i don't i'm not I'm not presuming that my reader needs help in any way. Um, Self-empowerment, all for it. And yeah. that's what I think better describes my book. Uh, so, yeah. I dig that. No, no. <laughs> I, I, I really like the way of, of you, you clarifying that. And I, I will always go for self-empowerment, you know, because also there's a whole industry of, of self-help. And I think that can be very circular a lot of times for people. You know, that there's a habits. stigma around the word self-help and don't yeah. get me wrong. I've, I've read many self-help books, um, yeah. but I think there's just a certain stigma that comes with self-help. And that's mm -hmm. why I kind of wanted to take it up a notch. And OK, beautiful. Mm -hmm. Transcend yeah. it in a way. Yeah. And uh, OK, now one of the things you mentioned, uh, minoring in psychology, beautiful like science. I I wish I could have delved into a lot more. But, you know, the thing is, the beautiful thing about. Um, well, it's easy to be cynical about like the internet and online, but I think one of the great things is we can really use that to our advantage as well and, and learn, right? If so, even if you didn't get a degree or study something, you can still look up, you know, things and, and learn on, on your own terms. And so, in terms of psychology, right, one of the things that I find fascinating is this idea of habit forming, right? How our, our brain, the neuroscience behind it, and and our, our our synapses, how we build synaptic pathways, right? Do you do you touch up on on any of that type of research on, on habit and habit forming? Um, I don't get very specific about it, um, but I definitely do give tips on ways that you can start to build a habit. Mm -hmm. um, I talk about uh, like ways that you can kind of convince yourself to give things away, for example. Okay. Um, so I talk, I don't like, I don't dive too deep into the science of habit forming, but I do talk extensively on how you can create habits that you don't already naturally have. Yes, and and in a way, it's in the title, right? Reprogramming. Yes, I know, exactly. um, and that's and 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 sometimes people might see that word and, and think maybe one thing or the other about it, but you know, reprogramming. I'm not a robot, but I mean, our, there's a there is a, a, a science to the habits that we pursue and and, and follow. They're both good and bad. Yeah, exactly. Right? So no, I mean that's how our I mean that's how we function, though. Yeah, we're not we're definitely not robots, but at the same time. Um, we do form how we all have habits mm -hmm. and i think the easiest way to improve yourself is to change your habits or to improve your habits absolutely or to eliminate cer of certain habits right um so it is reprogramming <laughs> yeah you know and and or the way i think about it one of the things i always share with my classes every semester like the first week you know is that that much attributed quote to einstein of the definition of insanity is doing the same thing over and over again and expecting different results. Like, I think we tend to fall into these cycles, these habits of constantly turning, turning, turning. And, and without that change, without that, that um, intent, the intent to alter something, right? We're not going to change anything. And um, getting back to, I, I like the idea of kind of breaking down the title of your book, 
right you you know and reprogram yourself for greatness <laughs> so how would you define greatness or like what is it to you i think greatness for me is when who you want to be and who you are align okay um and some may disagree with me but i have like i have certain ideals that i strive for in my life okay. and i more and more feel like i'm becoming those ideals yeah and so for me that's that's what it's about and again some people might disagree and it's not to say that who we are like who I am right now isn't good enough because mm -hmm. I don't in any way, shape, or form believe that. I do think that who I am now is great enough. Mm -hmm. um, however, I do have a certain ideal for myself, and the closer I feel that alignment, the more I, the more great I feel. Okay, I like I, I like that definition, and I don't, I don't know if I've ever heard it like that before. So so thanks for sharing that. In fact, uh, you know when I think about the self and and the way we, you know, think about ourselves and amongst others you know the other thing is we're always changing you know like our, our our wants our needs our desires and that's based on a bunch of other factors environment right uh who we associate with and so i like your definition because it allows for that that change to to kind of be yeah, malleable, I mean, malleable in exactly because you're gonna change no matter what you could lock yourself in a pitch black room for a year and you'll still emerge out of it changed um, it's just the way we were created. We're always, we're in an ever-changing uh, state. So for me, it's it's about intentional change. I, I could do nothing and I will still change just because, like you said, we are always changing. Um, or I could have some intention behind my changes. That way I'm changing in the direction that I would like to change in. I love it. Um, so you're, you're a writer and, and so in the future, I'd even like to maybe even share this episode with future students. and. And, uh, you know, writing is, is a craft. It's a process. Um, and one of the things I've always insisted is that creation requires influence. And so um, who have always been some of your, like, most influential authors or writers in your life? Uh, actually, one of them I met in person. She's pretty young. Uh, her name is Yana. Mm -hmm. And I met her when I was working at a hotel. She walked in and she had an aura about her that was very captivating like mm -hmm. she is a very tiny she's a very tiny person but like the moment that you see her i don't know what it is about her but you like just shift and you look at her and she approached the front desk and i was a concierge at the time and she was asking me to book her a massage and um anyway we got to talking and she told me that she was sore from uh surfing so i asked her if she was a surfer and she said no i'm a poet and a writer uh-huh and it was, and after that, I found her on social media and I found her website and I just kept reading her work and she really inspired me. She really inspired me to believe in my dream again. Um, she's a full-time writer life coach. Really? And she okay. lives in Encinitas, California, which is a, a beach town in LA, or sorry, uh, sorry, a beach town in California. And uh, she has a very nice life as a writer. So she really inspired me to believe not just that I can become a writer, but that I can become a successful writer. So she's definitely a big, a big inspiration. Isn't it great how you can also meet people like that in your life that, that kind of uh, they help you flow in a completely different direction, you mm -hmm. know, and or just kind of help boost you up in, in ways you never thought possible? Help you become yourself. Great. So <laughs> Yana. Yeah. I have, to, I have to look her up. And, yeah, and I'll, get, I'll show you her social media after. 
that's wonderful and um any other like writers authors or, or even like maybe novels poems books yeah um i really like eric Fromm. he's mm-hmm. a um german i think it's german psychiatrist mm-hmm. uh but he also has a very good book uh called the art of loving it's mm-hmm. one of my favorite books okay. And uh, he inspired me a lot too. I, I read him when I was younger. It was probably like in my early 20s, but uh, he was a writer that influenced me a lot. Also, uh, Tim Ferriss, he's an entrepreneur and an author. And uh, I really liked his book, The Four Hour Work Week. Nice. Okay. <laughs> it, it really helped me in terms of decluttering, actually. Yeah. So it, it also inspired me to write this book. And changing your perspective of what, what work actually is, right? Yes. And- Yes. Like that. And we, t- we were talking about his, his uh, podcast earlier. Yeah. I like listening to his podcast on my way to work, actually, in the mornings. It's uh, pretty cool. And, and that's Very the good thing. interviewer. Yeah. yeah. So I'm, like I'm trying to... <laughs> like you. You're a really good interviewer, too, actually. I appreciate that. very you know? natural. And that's that's one of the reasons I started listening to podcasts. Once I started doing my own, you know, talking about, like, putting things into practice, you know, it, it would not make sense for me to, like, just do it blindly. I'm trying to listen to as much as I can and see who's good at doing what. And, and so I appreciate it. Thank you. That, that makes me feel good. <laughs> this is episode 20, by the way. So we're 20 episodes in, looking super forward to, to it. And um, uh, I do appreciate you coming in. Um, just as a side note, um, you know, Elsa came in during a very, very busy day and week of the studio. <laughs> so if you're not familiar, Power at the Pass is a, is a very cool, interesting building that, that's been here since the... I would say the 40s, 50s, 40s, 50s, you know, it's, it's, it has that old brick facade. But right now we're doing a, you know, marketing agency, ad agency. It's, you know, it's an art studio. It's a space where bands practice and we have events. So right now we're preparing for a, a show called Warped Reflections from a local artist collective known as Los Visionaries. Have you heard of them before? Well, now I have. You, you have. guys have art everywhere. This looks really awesome. You know, when I have people on the show, I, I bring people in and they're they're kind of uh, amazed by all the things going on. There's always art and there's people here practicing or working on projects or writing. And it's that type of kind of creative energy and flow that we all work off of each other. Yeah, it's very psychedelic. And I love that. <laughs> yeah, and, and here. And, and so right now we're in the, the podcast room. Um, we had to kind of take things out. So it's probably a little more echoey. I do want to give a shout out to Cynthia Lopez uh, from Pele Entertainment. She let us borrow some sound diffusers, um, kind of makeshift. Like I, put, I set them up very in a makeshift way, but very top quality. And uh, Los Visionaries painted the room right now. How would you describe this? You said it's it's psychedelic. It's psychedelic. And, uh, I see. Uh, I saw a picture earlier uh, of the third eye. I see the third eye a lot. There's a lot of that. Thing, yeah, yeah, there's a lot of that going on. <laughs> um, there is also, it seems, there's like a very strong Latin influence. I don't know if that, if I'm on point with that. I felt like there was a, I saw the um, the big X mm-hmm. in Juarez the inside. Equis, right? Yeah, the Ikis inside. Uh, so yeah, I don't know. Psychedelic. There's a lot of uh, Mayan and, and Aztec yeah. kind of symbology as well. Absolutely. Yes. And uh, very spiritual. I mean, that's what I take from the third eye. Absolutely, yes. And and I think you'd really get along with a lot of these artists because I already did. They fit in, you know? And <laughs> I met like two of them inside and they were oh, super great, nice. Right, yes. I saw and them setting up their um, sections, so that was really cool. And, and so right now during this recording, if you hear a lot of commotion in the background, that's because right now people are walking around setting up. We do have a show um, pretty much in a couple hours at the, at the time we're recording this. 
And uh, I hope it's going to be a successful weekend. This episode will probably be out after it's, it's finished. Sounds but, good. you know, if you have the chance, you know, follow Los Visionaries online and, and check out the work. And how can people keep up with, with you and your work? Because I know we were talking about social media and all that. And <laughs> <laughs> I hate social media, but follow me on all my social media. There you go. <laughs> um, no, I'm kidding. I don't hate social media. Um, my, you can find me on Instagram at Elsa Morick. Uh, you can also find me on Facebook at Elsa Morick Writer. And my website is www.elsamorick, that's M-O-R-E-C-K.com. And you have an awesome blog that you, you update. and Yes, I, I try to update it, it um, yeah. at least uh, bi-weekly. Uh, but yeah. And um, <laughs> I guess as we start to close out, like what do you, what, as far as writing goes, where do you see your, your writing in the future going? Uh, well, I'm actually working on my second book right now. Okay. Um, yes. It is exposing the sexual taboo in the middle east okay and i'm very 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 excited about it so i am pouring pouring my heart and soul into this project right now uh my second book and that should be out summer 2018 okay so be on the lookout for that definitely follow her elsa has some great things to say i've been following her blog uh i think since i met her actually and and she's gone to, she's actually performed this is the beyond's podcast she's actually gone and read at the barbara open mic series which is a whole different beast altogether i think uh reading publicly and everything uh do you think you should do that again um i actually did it recently in austin oh great at the spider awesome. house cafe okay. uh, i recited a poem that i had written um awesome. i like it i mean i i used to love writing rap actually uh, yeah. which is you know poetry essentially mm-hmm. and uh I do, I do get nervous when I'm on stage, but the last time that I performed in Austin, I was actually a lot more confident. That's great. And I've performed a few times at open mics. Um, I did one time in Beirut in, in my country and uh, also at like houses in Austin. So mm. I, I've gone out there. Awesome. <laughs> That's great. I love that. Yeah. And I feel like, um, so I'm really looking forward to reading this. I guess as we close out, do you want to give any specific shout outs to anyone out there in the world? Um. Well you first of all thank, thank you. you for having me um and double scope films i haven't double got scope, I, yeah right. double scope those are my homies um i didn't get to see them yet on this trip i don't know if i will because i'm leaving in two days mm-hmm. um but i love what they're doing out here i'm really proud of them and everything that they're doing out here and i'm really proud of you and i just talking to those artists inside um one of them was just telling me how you know for a while everyone's kind of been saying that El Paso doesn't have enough this or enough that. And finally, it's like everyone's taking responsibility and they're like, well, we're going to create what we don't have because we we are the people of El Paso. Yes, yes. So yeah, shout out to everyone in El Paso, artists, (laughs) entrepreneurs, everyone that's making shit happen here. That's right. And let's keep making it happen. And and, uh, we don't have to do it alone. We'll lift the weight together. Yeah. All right, cool. Thank you, Elsa, for coming in studio. This is Richie for Power at the Pass. I'll see you guys next time. Peace. Peace. Soaking over notebooks and midnight scribbles, environment and views, the views of these melancholy hues. And gibberish rips will have the right to choose. Love over lust, trust over rust, from stardust to we must. Freedom now and forever. For if words can hurt, they can also heal. As a lover of language, it was revealed. We sling the linguistic freeform storm, born in the synapses, to say the synopsis or a hospice. We got this, yo. Getting wicked with the beat and the melody. This is our remedy. The music, the movement, the moment. We know this intelligence and elegance is simply why we'll own this.
them hear you roar, let them fear you more. Strike your foot down, raise your fist up.